Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? <clears throat> awesome, we're glad you're doing wonderful. My name is Mark. Uh, I'm glad that you are here hanging out with us this morning or joining us online. Uh, it's good to be in the house. Amen? There really is joy in the house. Isn't that true? Come on. Are you awake this morning? I hope you are. Um, we are in a series, you can probably guess from that video, through the Gospel of John. Um, we were making our way through this gospel together, and uh, I'm excited about where we are. You know, I was, I was thinking about this um, just this morning, how, how, how good our God is. Are you aware that you are not the beginning of all that God is doing in the earth? You are not, you are not the beginning, and, and come on. You're not the beginning, and here's also the good news. You are not the end of all that God is doing in the earth. God's, God's, God's current moving in the earth does not begin and end with you. Amen? Uh, God was doing stuff before he started doing stuff in and through you, and God will continue to do stuff uh, after we are long gone. We talked for, for a while, a couple years ago, we, we talked a little bit about the, the concept that we have of, of being caught up in the legacy of God. And we, we kind of used... Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to understand this, that, that, that there, there are Abrahams, there are Isaacs, there are Jacobs. In, in the story of Scripture, Abraham receives the promise, right? We see Abraham receive the promise, and we see Jacob receive the, 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 what seems to be the fulfillment of it. We know ultimately the fulfillment is in Christ, but, 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 but Abraham's promised a big family. He doesn't get one, but Jacob does. And then there's Isaac. We know a lot about Jacob. Come on, we know a lot about Abraham. And we know very little about Isaac except for his interactions with Abraham and Jacob. And the reality is, in the story of God, you are always, always Isaac. You are always the one receiving from another and called to pass on to someone else. We are always, we are always given the role as the stewards of God's promises we are always the ones given, given the, the privilege to, to receive from another and pass on to another. Somebody preached the gospel to you. The, the gospel, I love you, did not originate in you. Somebody shared the good news of the covenant faithfulness of our God with you, and he has called you, come on, to share that with somebody else. And so, so we, are, we are swept up in a story that ultimately we know reaches back into eternity and will effectively reach forward into eternity. And here, here's what I love. Without denying that one bit and without diminishing it at all, that is true, that there is this river of God that flows from eternity to eternity. And yet, God in his love and in his grace welcomes us into a journey where he builds, here's the picture I want to use, he builds on-ramps for us into what he's doing in the earth. So we don't just get dropped, come on, parachuted into the middle of all that God is doing. He, he loves us enough to progressively move us into all that he's doing in the earth. And I share that because I think it's important for us to understand that, 
that, that when, we, when, we're, when we're making our way through a gospel like this, God is moving us, come on, the scriptures say, from glory to glory. There's a, I know that some of y'all are already like curling your toes when I say progressive. Calm down. Take a chill pill. It's okay. He's progressing us. Come on, we have a progressive God. That gets about 40% of you really excited, about 60% of you really angry. Judging from the emails I get. Don't worry, we also have a very conservative God. He doesn't waste anything. So there we go. Flip the script and now I get 60% from the other. Okay, we're good. We see this in the Lord. We see the goodness of God in his, in his steadfastness, come on, to, to continue all that he's doing, and yet in his faithfulness to bring us in, to make a way for us to be included in all that he is doing. And so this morning, I want to make sure that we understand sort of where we are in this progression, in this move that he is doing, in his graciousness to, to bring us along in, in all that he is doing in the earth, to, to, to carry us along in his plans and in his purposes. I want to make sure we know where we, where, we, where we were, come on, where we are, and ultimately where we're going. Because here's the truth, here's the truth, I, gotta, I just got to say this, I'm, I'm really, really happy about where we've been. I'm really, really excited about where we're going, but I am so grateful for where we are right now. I mean, if I could, if I could help you, I mean, don't get so obsessed with where you were or where you're going that you miss the goodness of God and where you are. One of the one of the best pieces of advice I ever received from a pastor when I was I was sharing with him he's a mentor in my life and I was sharing with him just uh, we were in a, uh, the church was in a really kind of rough spot and a rough season and. And, and I was still working full time at another job, and, and we were still just kind of trying to scrape by. And, and the, the truth is, we didn't know if, if, if Sozo was going to make it at this point all the time. And I was sharing this with him, and he said, you know what, I know what you're going through. And he, was, he was very gracious, uh, but, but come on, how many of us know that dads are gracious different than moms? And he was gracious like a dad. And he looked at me and says, I know you're going through tough stuff, but, but you need to do this. You need to look out and, and enjoy the season you're in because you're never going to be in this season again. Enjoy the difficulty because God's going to show up and show off in it. Enjoy the trials and the hardship because God's going to use them as part of your testimony. Enjoy the, the, the fact that, that, that you can do things now that you're never going to be able to do again. And I, and I was able to receive that, that word and enjoy that season without diminishing what he's done, without 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 trying to hold back what he wants to do next. I want to make sure we know where we are and where we're going. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. We're going to, we're going to read John 16 and 7, and then we're also going to read uh, Acts chapter 2, just 1 through 6 this time. None of this is working up here again, so you're on it, Stephen. Can we give it up for Stephen? Come on. He's awesome. And single, ladies, I'm just saying, and employed. So that makes him better than 97% of all the dudes you meet right now. Just saying. I got to, I got to, I got to officiate a wedding last night. I'm in, I'm in marriage mode. Let's just get people married. Come on, let's get people married. Let's get kingdom babies born. Let's grow the church that way. It's my favorite way to grow the church. Uh, there is a petition going around. I have heard the elders need to respond to this. We'll have a meeting today about it uh, to change the name of the church to Our Ladies of Perpetual Conception because y'all just keep having babies. Um, and I'm voting in favor of it. Um, John chapter 16, where, what am I talking about? John chapter 16, can you tell there's fewer elders in the room this morning? 
The truth is all of our elder elders are not in the room, so I'm... I need to remember that uh, this is still being recorded. John chapter 16. Let's read the Bible. Let's stand to our feet. Let's read the Bible. Let's save this whole thing. God is good. Amen? John chapter 16. What did I say? Verse 7. Verse 7. Jesus, again, speaking exclusively to his disciples here. He says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now let's jump ahead to Acts chapter 2. Just going to read the first, first, first six verses here. Again, I shared this with you before. If John 16 is a promise made, Acts 2 is that promise fulfilled. So Jesus promises the coming of Holy Spirit, and we see that promise fulfilled in Acts 2 where it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say and suddenly. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at that, and at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered. Everybody say bewildered. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Let's let's pray together this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your abiding, faithful, manifesting presence in the midst of your people. And I am so in awe of the reality that you do not call us to worship you from afar, but you invite us to encounter you as we exalt you and to exalt you as we encounter you. God, that we would be caught up in that, in that ever-growing exchange of exalting and encountering and encountering and exalting. God, let your people see you and let the sight of you be the fuel for our worship. And let our worship be the thing that, that focuses our attention and our affection and our imagination upon you. God, I'm also in awe of the fact that you do not leave us with anything in between yourself and your people. 
Do you want a direct, personal, intimate relationship with each one of your people? God, thank you for the gathering of the saints. Thank you for the, for the ecclesia, the calling us out and calling us together. Thank you that you command us not to forsake this kind of gathering together, whether it's in person or online, but, but just being together, Lord. Thank you that you call us to that. And yet at the same time, we rejoice in your ability, your capacity to speak to individual hearts in the midst of a congregation of people. And so we come today, Lord, individually hungry for your word. Lord, I pray right now that you would meet each one according to the level of their hunger. Lord, you, you bring us to your banquet with a banner over it of your love for us. And you say, eat to your full. Lord, let us not waste our money on food that does not satisfy but let us come to you and eat freely for you promise that yes, you give seed to the sower, but you also give bread to the eater. Let us be hungry eaters of your word today. Let us eat to our fill. Let it satisfy our souls. Let it transform our interior world. Let our hunger be so satisfied that there is no longer a desire within us to wander looking for any other substance or sustenance. That you might be glorified as not only our, our source, but our supply. That you might be made much of in the earth. That all who see us might glorify you in your goodness, in your faithfulness, in your holiness, in your worthiness. Because we declare together, Jesus, you are better than everything. You're better than everything. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead, greet somebody around you real fast, and then grab a seat. Amen, amen. This morning, uh, I want to just, I want to, like I mentioned at the beginning, I want to make sure that we uh, kind of have a picture of where, we, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. I want to I wanna sort of give us a trajectory here. If you're taking notes, I'd like to talk to you this morning under the title, Agents of Arrival, Honoring His Proximity by Embracing His Purpose. Honoring His Proximity by Embracing His Purpose. You see, we've been talking over the last little bit about Holy Spirit and, and how He moves in us, but I want to make sure that we see this because, how do I say this, Lord? I want to make sure we see this because the, the, the context in which something happens is almost as important, if not as important, as what happens. 
right? The, the context around something. And, and so what, what I fear is this. For those who are, uh, can I say it this way, familiar with the teachings about being intimate with Holy Spirit, that we can think that this is the same thing we've heard before. I've actually had some of you come up to me, and I love you, uh, and, and, and you've come up and said, I'm really happy that we're here. This is, this is I really like this. I'm really, I'm, I like this sort of teaching. I like this sort of uh, uh, understanding that you're sharing. I like this perspective. I like, I like talking about Holy Spirit. This is, this is sort of my camp. This is sort of my stuff. And, and I, I almost want to push back on some of you and say that, that you need to make sure you're hearing this with fresh ears. Because, because the Lord did not just parachute us into this teaching. He's brought us here, and, and here's my concern, that we will divorce what we've heard from what we're hearing. I'm going to say that again because you missed it. I fear that we'll divorce what we've heard, the previous thing that he's done in us, the preparation that he's made. We'll divorce that from what we're hearing now and miss the unique thing that he's trying to do in what he's teaching us now. Here's what I'm trying to say. We have been invited, right, to rest in Jesus by abiding. We've been invited to relate to the Father as Abba. That's, that's kind of where we've been. But what I need us to see now is now we are being invited in light of those things to receive Holy Spirit's arrival. We're, we're gonna, I'm going to have to take more time to unpack this next week. But I need you, I need you for what the assignment is today. I need you to understand that those things are fundamentally connected in the way he's calling us to receive Holy Spirit right now. If, if, you're, if you're in, uh, if you're in the, what do, we, what do we want to call it today? The charismatic camp, I mean the charismatic camp. If you, if you were raised uh, hearing regularly uh, prophetic utterances, not pathetic utterances. Come on. Come on, if, 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 you, if, you, if you're in the camp, how do you know if you're in the camp? If you were pushed over at summer camp, you grew up in this camp. If somebody told you you needed to come up to the altar and, and repeat after me, and the words that they had you repeat after them sounded like the names of Japanese auto manufacturers... See, some of y'all are confused because you're like, you mean repeat after me like get saved? No, 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 no. I'm talking about getting the Holy Ghost. Here we go. If you ever did fall over, ladies, this is especially you, and somebody draped a cloth over you. <laughs> I need you to hear this fresh and new and not bring with it the baggage of religion into this, what we're being taught now. I'm, I'm, I'm not, listen to me, I'm not, I'm not trying to put anything negative on what we were taught before, but what I'm trying to show us is that understanding it from this drought, the, the atmosphere that the Lord is trying to do this in now is different than what he did before. Just like it was different then than the time he did it before that. So I need, us, I need us to get this. We were invited into this. When the, when the third is seen in, in the focus of the first two, when, when, when we understand that we're called to receive Holy Spirit's arrival from a position of resting and abiding and relating to the Father as Abba, suddenly that's a different kind of receiving. And if it isn't for you, I think we might need, you know what, well, let's just go ahead. Let's go back to, you know, to the beginning of John. We'll restart 
No, we need, we need to see this. He's received, let me say it this way, he's received in the resting. See, before, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you didn't pick it up this way, but I'm just gonna tell you, I did and a whole lot of the people I run with did. I was never taught his receiving was in the resting. I was taught you had to work for it. I was taught you, you had to, you had to you, you, he, he, we were told stuff like this. Here's how it was said. Come on. He's Holy Spirit, so you better get holy so that you can have the Holy Spirit. He's not going to be a part of your life unless you're holy. And by holy, they meant, ladies, you needed to wear long denim dresses and put your hair in a bun. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Holiness was a way we dressed. It was, it was, it was, oh man, I remember the first time I went to a youth camp, I was not a believer. I go to youth camp and there was, there was the CD burning night. Come on, any, any, any Gen Xers remember CD burning night? Where you, where I don't know, I don't know why kids brought these CDs to youth camp, but they brought CDs and I remember being so angry because I'm not a Christian and they're like, we're going to burn our CDs. And I was like, oh, we're going to like burn CDs. Cool. And then they had a bonfire, and kids are throwing CDs in that I wanted. And I was like, don't burn it. Just give it to me. Like, I'm burning this Nirvana album. And they'd throw it in. It would burn. And they go, I heard it hiss. It was the demon. It's like, no. That's just what fire does. Um, there was this idea that we had to somehow achieve or, or, or attain to some sort of level. And in this revelation where we understand that, no, we are called to abide and rest, we are called to relate to the Father as Abba, then all of a sudden now this thing comes to us absolutely divorced from any effort on my part. We receive him in resting. We, he arrives through abiding. His, his indwelling happens as we pursue intimacy. Do you realize just that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? As a believer, can, can we just like pause for just, I don't know, I don't know, like just a second and acknowledge the absolute ridiculousness of that, you are, you, you are the temple of the Spirit of God. If you're a believer, if you are a, if you are a son of God, you are a temple of God. And it is an unspeakable honor, come on, to be, to be called to be the, con the containers of God's Spirit. Think about this. In the infinite imagination of our limitless God's mind, he looked through everything that was created, everything that is created, everything that could have been created, and he went, you know what I'm going to choose to make my home in? These people. He could have chosen anything else that he wanted. That's enough of a mind twist, right? He could have chosen something else. Or, here's the one that keeps baffling me, he could have created something better. But he went, no, 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 no. This is perfect. This is exactly what I want. I want these people. It, it is so vast beyond my capacity to grasp his goodness in making us the place where he wants to make his presence known. And here's where it gets ridiculous. He doesn't stop at saying, I want you to be my container. 
he actually goes beyond that in showing us grace and saying, actually, I want you not only to be my container, but to actually be the conduit through which I work and move in all of my creation. If that doesn't make you want to worship, go home now. I'll wait. That's the ridiculous goodness of our God. This, this fundamentally changes how we think of proximity, doesn't it? This changes the way I think about like, when we talk about, oh, Holy Spirit, move. Oh, God, come. Oh, Jesus, make your presence known. That changes when all of a sudden I realize, wait, wait, I'm his temple. Come on. And as his temple, I'm not only the place that he resides and abides, but I'm also the place through which he wants to move and exercise authority. You can't claim to honor his presence while denying the purpose for which he brought his proximity to you. If we're going to be a people who honor his proximity, who honor presence, we have to honor him by receiving the purpose for which he brought his presence close to us. The, the purpose for which he made his presence known to us. So I want to talk today about how we honor proximity and, 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 and prioritize his purpose in our life. Corporately, personally, daily, specifically. I want to I dive into this today to help us understand exactly what it is that he's doing. And I want to do this by marrying two statements together. Here are the two statements. We've, we've made these before. That Holy Spirit moves, relates, and works within and through his people. Right? We've, we've said that before. Holy Spirit moves, relates, and works in and through his people. We've made that statement. I want to marry that statement now to the statement we made also that says, Holy Spirit arrives with a sound, a sign, and a stirring. I, I want to get both of, these, both of these understandings together in our mind. That Holy Spirit moves, he relates, he works in and through his people. That, that's the way he's working. He's doing that in and through us, and that, and that he, when he works, how he works, how he arrives, is with a sound, a sign, and a stirring. Before I set a shaking, I'll explain a little later why I'm switching verbiage here. So marry these two statements. That's my assignment this morning, so let's do this. Holy Spirit moves within and through his people. Can I get an amen on that? Do you believe that? He moves within and through his people. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit shows up, this is John 16, when Holy Spirit shows up, he's going to do stuff. Can we please, can we pretty please, can we ooper duper pretty please, delete from our brains the mindset that Holy Spirit is passive in the earth? Now, now you might not agree with me. When I say that we, we, we live our lives thinking Holy Spirit is passive in the earth, you might go, no, I don't, I don't believe that. I think he's active in the earth. But yet, we act like we're the ones that have to get him to do something. Oh, come on, that's what you do. Come on, you do. Well, I need to pray more. Well, I need to fast more. Well, I need to go to church more. I need to give more. I need to serve more. I need to be more sorry for the sins that I used to create, that I used to do, or the sins that I'm currently stuck in. And then, then I will somehow convince Holy Spirit that he ought to move. Holy Spirit wants to move more than you want him to move. I'm going to say that again. 
Holy Spirit wants to move on your behalf, in your situation, in your life, in your interior world, more than you want him to. So the problem does not lie in the ledger of the divine, it lies in the ledger of the human. What do I mean? I said this before. The cross didn't change God, it changed us. It wasn't angry, vengeful, wrathful God before the cross, but he beat the living tar out of his son and he worked his anger out and now he can be happy. The cross changed the way we see God. It changed who we are. It changes us from being in opposition to him ultimately to being his family. The scriptures say we go, literally it says we go from being enemies of God to being the family of God. It says that we go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually. It says we go, it says we go from being blind to being able to see. It, it says we go from being ignorant to being those fully enlightened into the goodness of all that God is. So the cross does not change God, it changes us. The cross does not change God. Holy Spirit wants to move, it's us that need to change. Not him that needs to be convinced. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit was going to be active when he showed up. He was going to move. This means that he's going to move, and, and what we've understood, come on, is that when he moves, how does he move? He moves within and through his people. You, can't, you, you cannot divorce yourself from all that God is desiring to do in the earth. He does not call you, listen, he does not call you to be a spectator of what he's doing. He calls you to be a participant in what he is doing. And here's the amazing thing about our God. Here's the amazing thing about our God. One of many. I say the like it's not capital T, don't worry. Just an amazing thing about our God. He always, he always, he always moves in you before he moves through you. He always moves in you before he'll move through you. You say, why is that amazing? Because in his goodness, listen to me, he's not looking, come on, come on, come on, he's not looking for someone just to be a piece that he uses. He's looking for people to be partners in all he's doing. He's not looking for stooges, come on, that he can just boss around. He's looking for sons to join him in all that he is doing. Let me say it to you this way. He's more interested in intimacy with you than making you into an instrument in his hand. That, that's the goodness of our God. That he doesn't just come and say, hey, I need something, and uh, he doesn't just open the drawer of humanity and grab you like a hammer and just start using you. Come on, is anybody else happy about that? But no, he says, no, I wanna, I wanna move in you before I move through you. I wanna, I wanna be at work within you. I'm, I'm not looking, he says, for just puppets. I'm looking for partners. We see this beautifully. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I love this. I love the way Paul lays this out. It says, for it is God who works where? Come on, where does God work? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's working in you so that he can work out of you his good pleasure. 
Yes, in your, in your own life, this absolutely applies. I'm not, not denying that. Come on, come on. I'm not denying that this applies to, 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 to his transformation, his supernatural transformation in the way that we practically live our daily lives. Absolutely. But to say that that is all that God's will and good pleasure is, is to so miss the point. He's working in you both to will and to work. He works in you so that he can work through you. In you so he can work through you. This means that that proximity has got to become about more than goosebumps. Is this thing on? I got no problem with goosebumps. I got, I got no problem with feeling. Come on, his presence. Come on, talk to me. I, I, I like it when he makes his presence known to me on an emotional level. I got no problem. I have no problem with that. I know I, I know I joke about it. I got no problem with people falling over when they get prayed for. I don't really care. I, as long as you get up different than you went down, I don't care. I, I'm serious. As long as it, is, you know what I'm saying? As long as it changes something on the inside of you. As long as it's not just some religious ritual thing that you learned. I, again, I've told this story before. I, 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 I went forward to get prayed for at a, at a conference, uh, na- internationally known pastor and speaker was there. If I said his name, you would know who he was. He, he, there were so many people there. He said, I can't have everybody come forward because you, you would all come forward. I was like, that's kind of presumptuous. Um, he was right. But he says, I'm just going to ask if you're in full-time ministry, will you come forward? And I thought, ha-ha, it finally paid off. Um, and I watched as he prayed for people, even some, some people that were in my life and I super respected, and all of them were like, poof, falling over, poof, falling over, poof. And I remember telling the Holy Spirit, the guy's getting closer, and you could tell because they, they just, you know, kept falling. And I was like, Holy Spirit, if you want to knock me over, knock me over. But he ain't knocking me over. And he put his very large hand on my head and began to push me over. And so being the stiff-necked, rebellious person that I am, I simply leaned into his hand, (laughs) and he pushed harder, and I leaned harder, and he pushed harder, and I leaned harder, until I finally went like that. He got the message, prophesied over me that I was stiff-necked or something like that, and then moved on to the next person. I got no problem. I was like, dude, Holy Spirit, if you want to knock me over and make me roll around, I got no problem with it, but I'm not doing it. Come on, you you, you track with what I'm saying. I'm not doing it out of just some pity fall. Flip side, I remember being at a gathering, a very small little gathering of people, and a no-name nobody was just going around praying for somebody, and that dude put his hand on me, and, and before I knew it, it was 30 minutes later, and they were pulling me off the floor. And something shifted on the inside of me that has never gone back to the way it was before. God works in us so that he can work through us. His presence, come on, that means his presence isn't just there to make us feel it. It's not just to make worship better. Again, I always want to say it because I just want to be I just want to be honest. I like charismatic worship better than non-charismatic worship. Um I've said this before and I'm 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 not I'm just I I love that my grandma has a church and I love that I don't have to go to it. I'm just being honest with y'all. I love that she's got a church that she loves and she's plugged into. It's life-giving to her and the 17 other pink-haired old ladies that go there is awesome. 
I'm glad she has a place that she feels comfortable and she's at home. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm super happy for that. And I'm also, it, it simultaneously, come on, revelation lies within the tension between two seemingly opposing statements. Happy she has a church, really happy I don't have to go there. But here's the problem. We can sometimes mistake his presence for just something that's meant to give us goosebumps. No, it's meant to change you. When we step into his presence and he reveals himself to us, when we exalt him, come on, and we encounter him, when we encounter him and we exalt him, when that happens, when that, when that swirl takes place, that ought to be changing us in our interior world. He is trying to work within you in that moment. So don't get caught up in how good it feels and miss what he's trying to do in you. Now, sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes that happens on a level that we're not even aware of. Can I get an amen from anybody who knows what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't, you're like, man, he healed this thing inside me. And they're like, how? And you're like, I don't even know. Man, he, he, just, he just wrecked this, he just pulled this thing out of me. How'd he do it? I don't know, but it, a lot of crying. I don't know, but I just couldn't stop laughing. I don't know, but I, was, I walked in frustrated and angry, and I stepped into his presence and said, man, I'm happy now. And I'm not just talking about like giddy, giddy, happy. I mean, like there's a joy in me now. And that thing's done away with. Well, what, what did he say? I, I, I couldn't understand it, but I got it. Anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Psalm 42, deep. Come on, crying unto deep as the waves of his waterfall crash over us. We gotta get past as Holy Spirit people it just being reverb in worship. We've got to get to the place where we allow his presence to be the thing that is transforming us because he is his presence. We've got to begin to allow him to work in us. Can I say this? Let me, let me, pick, on, let me pick on the Presbyterians in the room. Lutherans, all my reform people. All you people that only make a noise when you're laughing at bad jokes. Um... But don't know how to amen. I'm picking on the charismatics, but let me tell you this. Holy Spirit's supernatural transformation in our life is more than just maturing you as well. For too long, we've allowed the Holy Spirit's growth in our life, his supernatural transformation. It, 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 let me say it this way. If you can't distinguish between you just growing up and not being such an idiot, and the Holy Spirit's work in your life, I question whether it was the Holy Spirit's work in your life or you just got older. Because I'm told, I haven't experienced this myself, but as you get older, you do less dumb things. I haven't personally experienced that yet. I'm glad my wife's not in the room or she would be amending very loud. I mean this, like, like I got in ministry pretty young, and I remember when I, when I first got in ministry, people, people said, oh, you'll, you'll, you'll calm down as you get older. Well, I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and I'm just as loud, and I'm just as energetic now, so I don't know when I'm supposed to calm down, but it hasn't happened yet. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm on the soapbox, so I might as well just stay here for a second. If you have calmed down as you've gotten older, I question whether that's you, the, the Holy Spirit calming you down or you just getting older. He works in us so he can work. It's not just spiritual. We see this in, we see this in Peter, man. Peter is, Peter is so hilarious to me because Peter goes from being like, 
stumbling, stammering, putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus calls Peter Satan. For all you who want to email me and say that I'm mean when I'm preaching, I've never called you Satan that you know of. I could and still wear the WWJD bracelet. Peter goes from being that. Then, then right, he, he grows up a little bit. He gets some bumps and bruises along the way, right? He denies Jesus. Jesus restores him, and, and, and he gets to hang out with the disciples still and be a part of Jesus' little, uh, you know, like training seminars for like 40 days where he, he instructs the disciples post his resurrection, and that sort of turns Peter into a, a more mature person. And then we get to see him in Acts where he's just a miserable administrator, Right, well, this is what we see. We see him. We see him in Acts, where he 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 he's with the he's they're they're having a prayer meeting. They're supposed to be waiting for the Holy Spirit, but because Peter's a little bit more mature now, he's like, "Hey, uh, you know what I just thought, guys? Jesus picked twelve of us, right? But then uh, Judas kind of failed, and so he's gone. So I think we should probably pick a Judas replacement. How would you like to respond to that ad?" We need a new Judas. So they do the super spiritual thing of casting lots, and they pick a guy that you never hear about again for the rest of the Bible. Never, never once. He's just gone. And I know some of you are like, well, actually, in church history, yeah, yeah, great, but biblically, no more. So, so Peter matures a little bit, right? He, he grows a little bit, but it wasn't until Holy Spirit falls that there's any kind of apostolic authority in Peter's life. And he goes from being stumbling, stammering Satan, he goes to being the failed administrator, to being the guy who stands up on the day of Pentecost and is able to say, with only 120 people gathered behind him, hey, you know what this is? This is the fulfillment of God's divine prophecy of bringing his kingdom onto the earth. You're like, Peter, dude, there's 120 people up there. What are you talking about? No, this is that, he says, with full authority. This is that. What changed? Did he grow up or did Holy Spirit step into his life? Because in my opinion, he shouldn't have said, wisdom and maturity says don't say that now. Wait and see if this thing kind of works out. See if it kind of grows a little bit. See if it kind of, you know, if this ultimate, no, 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 no. He's got Holy Spirit authority to say, no, no, this is that. He's willing to trust what Holy Spirit is doing in him to the point where he allows him to do it through him. Because hear me now, the the limit on which you put Holy Spirit working in you will always be the degree to which you allow him to work through you. you the, the, the lid you put on like, hey, hey you, you, can, you can move this much in me, but no more. Man, I really wish God would move through me. He always works in you. Ooh, I'm gonna say it this way. Thank you. I said before he always works in you before he works through you. He always works in you to the degree that he wants to work through you. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you've been going through a season where you just feel like the Lord is just working in your heart, he's just uncovering things, he's just pressing into you in those areas, he is preparing in you that which he desires to do through you. I don't know about you, 
but I have never eaten a microwavable meal that tastes as good as a home-cooked meal. We, 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 we want home-cooked miracles in microwave timing. I love, I love, I love in Acts, I love in Acts 2, where it says that, in verse 2, Acts 2, 2, it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound. I love that because we know that they've been gathered together to pray for at least 10 days. But suddenly it happened. Okay, did it happen suddenly or did it happen after 10 days? Because I don't know about you, but if God told me God, something was going to happen and it didn't happen for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days, I wouldn't use the word suddenly. 240 hours of them gathering together and praying, at least, and it suddenly happened. He always, he always, he always, he always, he always, he always, he always works through us. So, so let, me, let me say this, let me, let, me, let me press into this for just one more second. If you're somebody who's, who struggles to let him in, come on, let me, can I pass to you for a second? That is, that is one thing that stops. If, if there's one thing I've discovered in pastoring, it's one thing that stops us from letting him in. It's that your ears are filled with the lies of shame. The shame, see, shame comes and lies to you and says that he is ashamed of you. But I'm here to tell you this. Listen now and hear me later. You are not loved by accident. You are not the object of the affection of God by some default setting in who God is. The scriptures say, I chose you. Jesus actually goes so far as to say, y'all didn't pick me, I picked you. Which means that, that you are the chosen object of divine affection. So what are you afraid of in letting him in? Literally, the, 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 the reality is this. Do y'all remember either when you had little kids or maybe you have little kids right now or maybe you, you can remember when you were a little kid and when you were really, really little. I'm talking like two, three, four years old and you would play hide and seek. You ever played hide and seek with a two or three year old? They're stupid. They're so easy to find. I, I played hide and seek with my nephew one time and he literally just shoved his head in the corner of the couch. As if him closing his eyes made it dark for me. I was like, dude, tag, you're it. You suck. Get better at hiding. And then I went and hid in a closet and was able to do whatever I wanted for like two hours. It's horrible at finding me. Can I tell you this? You hiding from God is at best you closing your eyes and shoving your head into the couch cushion. I'm not going to let God into this part of my life. He's like, I, not, you suck at hiding. <laughs> He's better at seeking than you are at hiding. <whistles> what am I trying to say? The thing you're trying to hide from him, he already knows about it. Shame is the thing lying to you to keep you hiding. Because it knows that as long as you stay in shame, you'll stay stuck in the garbage that you're in. But as soon as we, come on, as soon as we let the light in, as soon as we get honest with him, come on, his agape, his, his other giving 
other-centered love, his, sorry, his self-giving, other-centered love, rushes into that area, and you will know a freedom that you could never dream about otherwise. Not a freedom that you have to work for, not a freedom you have to muster up, not a freedom that you have to achieve on your own, one that you simply receive out of his goodness. So if we're, if we're, if we're talking about how Holy Spirit comes and wants to move in us so that he can move through us, we gotta get back to the second statement. Holy Spirit arrives in a sound, a sign, and a stirring. We see this in, we see this in Acts real fast, just to make sure we remember, the sound was the wind, the sign was the flame upon them. This was their experience, right? They experienced the sound as a wind. They experienced the sign as fire coming. They experienced the stirring as literally it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the crowd, the crowd experienced it this way. The sound that the crowd heard was the sound of them making noise, them speaking in other tongues, What the crowd saw was their movement, their commotion, their activity. The sign to them was the activity going on on the top of this this house in the upper room. And their stirring was what the the scriptures call bewildered. Literally, the reason I changed it from shaking to stirring, as you dive into the Greek word for bewildered, it literally means a stirring of the inside. So I figured we'd be more biblical and I would stop saying shaking and I would say stirring. Stirring. What am I trying to show us? That Holy Spirit moves, listen, Holy Spirit moves in us before he moves through us. In them, they, they got to hear a sound, right? Right? So he showed up to them just like he was going to show up to the crowd. Sound, a sign, and a stirring. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Holy Spirit wants to move within you with a sound, a sign, and a stirring. There's an encounter that he reserves for his beloved. There's an encounter that he reserves exclusively for his beloved. There's an, there, there is an encounter that he longs to have with his people as they learn that they are beloved. Do, do you real, again, I, I, I never want to stop telling you this. I feel like, I feel like Peter in, in, in his epistles, he says, he says, I'm not going to fail, come on, to give you a reminder of this. You are called his beloved. Not his lovely, his beloved. Even when you're not lovely, Can I get an amen from some people? Come on. You're still called beloved. As we know who we are, as we know we are beloved, there's an encounter that waits for us because we go, come on, free from shame. We come boldly, as Hebrews tells us, before his throne of grace. So Holy Spirit wants to move within you with a sound, a sign, and a stirring. We gotta let him do that. But but here's where where I wanna make sure that we get to. Holy Spirit wants to move through you with a sound, a sign, and a stirring. And and I'm afraid, all right, let's just put all the cards on the table. I'm afraid that within the church, I have witnessed two camps, those that want God to move within them and those that want God to move through them 
and they refuse to get together and understand that he has to do both. We got a lot of people that all they want to do is sit around and experience the goosebumps of God. And we got a lot of people that are desperate to do something. They want to see God do something. And they're, they're happy to work and toil and sweat for Jesus. But until we understand the marrying of these two things, that he always wants to work in you before he works through you, that in his goodness, he is preparing you to work through you. Let, let, let me say it this way. I, I know I'm going to talk Bible stuff, and if you're not familiar with scriptural stuff, I don't have time to go and execute the whole thing, so just track with me. It's a, it's a picture Jesus used. He said that, listen, when there's new wine, nobody takes that new wine and puts it into an old wineskin. But rather, they used, that was the storage device they used to, 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 to hold wine. We used bottles. They used, literally, not to be gross, they used either animal bladders or animal stomachs or, or sometimes actual skins, but usually it was a bladder or a stomach. And that's what they would pour the wine into. And when they say new wine, they mean unfermented wine or really, more truthfully, barely fermented wine. And, and here's what you can know about wine when it ferments. It is guaranteed by its very nature to expand. Anybody, anybody ever clean out your fridge and find that spicy little jar of salsa in the back in the little plastic container? And it was, it was like it was a certain shape, and now it's a little rounder. Right? That's it's fermenting. It's 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 growing. It's expanding. Come on, ladies. That all went through COVID, right? You all went through lockdowns and you all did sourdough, right? I love that like six dudes just looked at like, I didn't do that, I didn't do it. Oh yeah, ladies, that was the lady thing. <clears throat> I learned how to make brisket. Um, you know, uh, you, you, you learned you had to do what to your sourdough? You had to burp it. You got to let that pressure out. So what's the difference between an old wineskin and a new wineskin? Well, first I got to teach you this. The word he uses for new wineskin is not new. It's renewed. They would actually take the old wineskin, they would do two things to it. They would, they would submerge it in oil and expose it to heat. I, I hope somebody caught that. Submerge it in oil, expose it to heat, and that would restore its elasticity back to it. So what he really says is nobody takes new wine and puts it in old wineskins. Rather, they take new wine and put it into renewed wineskins. So my question to us is this. Are, are, we, are we hard and inflexible? Or are we willing to allow ourselves, come on, to be submerged in him, exposed to his fire, so that that elasticity can come back to us? Because here's what I'm convinced of. Here's why Jesus says you don't do it. When you put it in the old wineskin, the fermentation begins, the wineskin bursts, and both the wine and the wineskin are ruined. So he loves you enough, come on, to work in you before he works through you so that he doesn't ruin you and ruin what he's trying to do. So the, so the, so the, the, the question then becomes this. Is God more interested in pouring out new wine or in renewing wineskins. We gotta get these two camps together. Yes, he wants to work in you, but he's working in you, come on, so he can work through you. Yes, he wants to work through you, but he loves you enough, come on, to do a work in you before he works through you. 
I, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I, I, want, I want to get to one, one, more, one more scripture here. Uh, Acts chapter 16. We're just going to read 25 through 34. Just the end of the story. I, I, I really encourage you to jump back up and read verse 16. I'll just say this. I'll just recap real fast. Paul has gone and made trouble and got himself thrown in prison. He literally freed a slave girl and got thrown in prison. And we pick up the story in verse 25. Is that what I said? 25? 25? Okay. Uh, but you have to know this before this because this just makes the story better. Right before verse 25, we find out that not only did they lock them up in prison, but they beat them before they locked them in prison. So they, they, they beat them with rods, and then they threw them in prison. We pick up the story in verse 25. About midnight, everybody say midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Email me next time you got a good reason not to worship Jesus. Just saying. I'll send you this verse. They were beaten with rods, locked up, the Bible actually says, in the lowest part of the prison, which literally means there was probably a grate underneath them where the sewage of the city was flowing. And what do they choose to do? They go, you know what this looks like? This looks like a great place for a worship service. The prisoners were listening, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped, because if not, he was going to be literally beaten to death. So he's like, you know what, I'll just skip the beating and go straight to the death. He's just going to, you know, be done with it. Verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'll give somebody a nickel if they can tell me what Greek word that is. There you go. I'll give you a nickel later. Sozo, what must I do to be sozo? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Sozo, you and your household. How far did I say we were going to read? There are 34? Cool. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once. I love, can we just pause just first, just storytelling wise, I love that picture. He washes their wounds, they baptize him. How cool is that? So he was baptized, he and all his family, verse 34. And he brought them up into his house and, sat, and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. That's what I'm talking about when I say God wants to move in and through you with a sound, come on, a sign and a stirring. I'm not, I'm not in any way saying like, 
you know, if, if we just embrace the Holy Spirit, everything in our life's gonna go awesome, everything's gonna go wonderful, and your farts are gonna start smelling good, and you're gonna get to drive a new car, and you're, you know, gonna get better looking, and everything's just gonna be fantastic. No, I'm saying that when we, come on, begin to allow Holy Spirit to do a work in us to the point that that thing overflows out of us, that even when we're locked in dark, dungeonous, smelly, gross, disgusting places in our life, being mistreated, not having justice, having things not work out the way we want to, not work out the way we plan to, God still wells up within us because of his presence with us. Come on, a sound that causes a sign, that causes a stirring, that changes the atmosphere and changes the world in which we live. He wants to work in your interior world until the change in your interior world cannot be missed by the world around you. One of my favorite parts of this story that we just glaze over, everyone got free, not just them. Everyone got so free that they didn't leave their jail cell. Let that bake your noodle for a second. Because if I'm locked up in prison and my door flings open and my chains fall off, peace out. Well, you should really stay here. You deserve it. <clears throat> Deuces. Like, I'm done. No thank you. There's a freedom that Holy Spirit can bring to your heart where you can be free even when you're in a jail. There is, a, there is a reality that happens when the life of God gets in us and overflows out of us that it can change, come on, a prison cell into a place of worship. I don't got time to read the rest of the story, but I love that two things happen here. That guy gets saved, and then it comes to the next morning, and, and I know this is going to offend people, but I, I just, I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm, I'm totally okay with this, and I, know, I hope it doesn't offend you. I hope you let it challenge you, because God actually did two things. Yes, this man gets saved. Can we, can we say amen to people getting saved? Right? All about, it's, it's literally in our name. But he does another miracle as well. Because the jailer comes and says, hey, I got, I got permission to let you guys go, so let, let's get out of here. And Paul goes, we're not going anywhere. There was an injustice done to us. And our God who loves mercy also loves justice. We're Roman citizens. It was illegal for them to beat us. We're not leaving here until you make this right. So yes, there is soul transformation but there is also social transformation that happens as we begin to let Holy Spirit in, work in and through our lives as well. And we, 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 are, we, are, we, are, we are missing what God's trying to do when we want to pick either of those and abandon the other. I want to see souls get changed, and I want to see his kingdom come to earth. I want to see the kingdoms of this world, come on, become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So if, don't... don't don't, don't sit here and tell me, like, well, God, you know, that, that's, that's not what the church is supposed to be about. 
No, we're supposed to be about it, but it's supposed to be a byproduct, come on, of Holy Spirit's life resonating within us, just like people getting saved. But somehow you're fine with stepping into, I don't know why I'm on this box, but I'm here and it's feeling good. I don't know why we're okay with human, using human manipulation to bring about salvations, but we're not okay with it for bringing about social justice. What I, don't misquote me. I'm saying let's quit using um, human manipulation on both of those fronts and trust Holy Spirit to do his work as he works in us and begins to work through us. Let's abandon, come on, selfish, soul-driven, flesh-empowered moves of God and let's just trust Holy Spirit to do what he's gonna do. That probably didn't feel good to hear, but it felt really good to say. So here's what I wanna do. I want us to understand this. I say that, I say that he, wants, he wants to move in you and through you with a sound of sign and a, and, a, and, a, and a stirring. I'm gonna push that further. We are the sound. We are the sign. We are the stirring. No, 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 no. You are the sound. You are the sign. You are the stirring. If God's gonna do it, he's gonna do it through you. And if God's gonna do it through you, he's gonna first do it in you. So get on your feet. I'm gonna have a worship team come back up. We're gonna practice. I was talking about this with some friends last night, actually. I think it's really funny. It's actually, it's actually um, I will say this. I think it's hilarious that we think that we're just going to be naturally good at supernatural things. Whew. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like it's, it's, it's like it's just not, it's, it's completely unacceptable to us that the first time we try something supernatural, it feels weird. Or we suck at it. So we're going to practice some things, and that's okay. Come on, you okay with practicing? We're gonna practice. We're gonna practice being the sound. That's, we're gonna start there. We're gonna practice being, I promise you it's more fun than you think it's gonna be. We talk about this a lot. We talk about, we talk about responding to the Lord, amen? Well, we're gonna, in our response, we're, we're still gonna respond, we're still gonna, we're still gonna celebrate, we're still gonna contemplate, we're still gonna take communion, so let me just get that out of the way, right? We have communion available for all who put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to be a member here, you don't have to like my jokes, you don't have to agree with my teaching, you don't have to, if you have repented and believed the gospel, we would love for you to come and celebrate the Lord's table with us. If you have not, if you're just exploring Jesus and trying to figure out what this gospel church thing is all about, we love you. We're not going to ask you to pretend like you're a Christian and come take communion. You can just chill in your seat, hang out there. No worries. No one's going to judge you. You're cool. Me saying you're cool means I just judged you. I would challenge you if you're here and you're exploring this stuff. I'm just, I can save you time. Here's the deal. He's better than everything. Me and four people agree with that statement in the room. So, Jesus, come on, I didn't say Jesus was better than some things. I didn't say Jesus was better than anything. I said Jesus is better than everything. 
You can take everything, all of the cosmos, everything created, seen and unseen, put it on one side of a scale and put Jesus on the other. And I'm here to tell you that scale will not even budge toward the side of everything. It will remain firmly fixed upon the ground in the side of Jesus. He's better than everything. And he offers himself to you freely. Not free to him, but free to you. He paid it all so that you can receive it all free. And he calls us to receive this transformation that I talked about earlier in the message, that going from being an enemy to family, going from being blind to being able to see, going from being dead to being alive, that transformation, that cross that changes us, that change, he offers it to us, and he gives us this gift through his gifts of repentance and faith. Repentance is simply admitting and abandoning all the lies, all the deceit, all the deception, all the sin, all the wickedness that's in our hearts, admitting it and abandoning it. And, and belief simply means to embrace and entrust our lives to Jesus. They might seem like outdated religious words, but they are so important. The Bible says that as we receive that gift of repentance and belief, with it comes this newness of life that floods into our life. And if you're here and, I'm, I'm, and you've never repented and believed, I'm pleading with you to let this be your day to repent to receive that gift from him so I said we're gonna we're gonna respond but we're also gonna practice we're gonna practice hear me what Peter did in Acts we're gonna practice this is that we're gonna practice participating with the plans and the purpose and the power of God by allowing him to prophetically proclaim through us. Now, I know some of you are uncomfortable with this word, like things like prophetic. All the word prophetic means is declaring that which God is saying. I know some of y'all think I'm talking about fortune telling and get your crystal ball and guess the lottery numbers, right? Like, and we're not talking about that. Here's what I'm saying. Has God made a promise to you that you have yet to see the fulfillment of? I know he has with me. I know there are things in my house that we're standing and believing God for. What I'm saying is this. Peter stood up on a rooftop with 120 people and said that that was God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And if the internet would have existed in his day, he would have been called a heretic on every Christian blog. Because that wasn't all the earth. It was just 120 people. What I'm telling us is sometimes you got to stand up, come on, with very little evidence and declare, this is that. This is that. We got to declare, this is the fulfillment of the promise. What promise are you standing on? Is it healing? Is it salvation? Is it provision? Is it the restoration of a relationship? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna set ourselves to recognize, come on, that when his presence makes himself known, it changes everything. Come on, am I, am I the only one who knows that, that when he shows up, everything changes even when nothing changes? I pray you've had that experience where you're just driving down the road and all of a sudden your car turns into heaven. He just shows up and goes like, oh, I'm here. We're going to take a moment and do that. We're going to let, 
Come on, come on, come on. Moses is just out tending his sheep until he sees a burning bush. As he walks up, he finds out, oh, no, 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 this place where you are that used to be normal, now, because I'm here, it's holy ground. Now, because I'm here, things have shifted and changed. Now, because I'm here, stuff that was impossible three nanoseconds ago, now is not only possible, but I'm inviting you to partner in making these things take place. We're just practicing. We're just practicing. See, I've never done this before. Yeah, that's why we're practicing. Come on, we're not working for it. We're not striving for it. We're not trying to earn it, merit it, or achieve it. We're simply letting him do what he's doing through us. Has he made you a promise? Is there something you're standing on? Is there, is there something you're asking for? We're going to begin to declare, come on, now is the time, now is the day, now is the moment we are receiving that which he is saying to us. You say, well, what if it doesn't happen? I'm going to keep saying that I'm receiving that which he is calling to us. And after, come on, maybe 10 days, come on, suddenly it'll happen. Here's what I've learned from scripture. Then suddenlies always follow long borings. So I'm going to keep declaring his goodness, come on, in the long boring until the then suddenly. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to make your presence known, to stir in our remembrance your promises, to awaken within us again. God, I pray that you would awaken once again, not just the faith, but God, the passion for your promises and your people. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you. We make space and room for you. We're not in a hurry. This isn't something we're just rushing through. This is the whole reason you brought us here today. This moment, right here. So we make this space for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just begin to open your heart. Come on. As the team begins to lead us, let's just worship Jesus. Let's set an atmosphere. Let's welcome him in this place. Come on.